0: Most people don't pay attention to the fact that you're going to be flying in a pressurized vehicle and you're going to be flying at 30,000, 40,000 feet above the earth and going at 400 to 500 miles per hour. All you want is to just have your internet and maybe something to drink. The Interplanetary Podcast. The exploration of space for the benefit of all humankind. Your hosts here in England.
1: Matthew Russell and Chris Carney. <laughs> oh, yeah,
0: baby, Chang Diaz. Chang Diaz. Any in relation to Cameron?
1: Or Jamie Franklin. Oh, or Jamie Franklin, yeah, because that's his first name, so that would be kind of weird. Mm. We have actually had Franklin Chang Diaz as our Astronaut of the Week because he, yeah. he has a record, record number of space flights with seven, but he also is designing, you know, ion propulsion to get to mars and stuff like that Oh, he would Very do stuff like
0: that he would do stuff like that because he's such a legend
1: yeah and, but he's describing there how space travel should become it should become more like you know getting in an aircraft where you don't even think about the danger you just think about whether you need your internet and yeah and whether you can still use your mobile phone etc cetera, etc cetera. so yeah you know That's where we want to get to. But um, as we'll discuss in the podcast, it's nowhere near that yet.
0: No, definitely not.
1: (laughs) No, 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 no. So... Uh, I thought we'd talk about, because we haven't talked about SpaceX and Elon Musk, drunk for a while now, have we? <laughs> I, that's definitely not said, drink for a while. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, I know. I know. I know. Well, I, I think it's because there's so many other people talk about SpaceX and, and et cetera, et cetera. It, it seems silly for me to join the fray all the time. But I thought I'd quite like to on this one. Yeah, let's this, do it. You know, this mission. This week we saw the whole of Inspiration 4 mission play out. Yeah. What were your thoughts on that, Chris? Initial thoughts on it?
0: Well, for me, I think that mm-hmm. um, it's a bit strange to have just done it all kind of under the radar a little bit and then sort of gone. It feels like it's gone. Oh, so this happened. Is, am I right on that? It feels like, you know, I wasn't just being ignorant. It just sort of like popped up that it occurred. Or did you have to be really like looking yeah. for it to know that it was going on? Um it was just kind of like to them they wanted to just go all oh, right yeah yeah we've done this we've settled all civilians up into space and it's all gone well i guess um it feels yeah. it feels very different though from the sort of the branson maneuver <laughs> a couple of months ago mm, yeah um it feels it does feel more a step towards that normality a step towards that you know going and doing this regularly what's the word not regularly normality sort of routine routine that was the word i was looking for it feels like a bigger step towards Mm. that routine thing than branson's one branson's one seemed a bit like showy explosive in retrospect it was kind of like yeah that looks fun for like two minutes and then you come back down again so yeah is it more sustainable it feels like it's a more sustainable thing
1: Oh, yeah, I mean, I just don't know about that particular element. But I did think, like you, that it seemed to be fly- flying under the radar somewhat. Yeah. It didn't seem to, uh, like, considering how important a mission I think it is, yeah. you know, this is four amateurs yeah. going into space, not just like Branson and Bezos did it with their, you know, you know, with their with with Virgin Galactic and and new and new shepherd. You know, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it's this is this is this is the real deal. This is going into orbit. You know, this is going into orbit for a few days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and it, that so it's a bigger deal, and you can see the you know you can have a pretty good look at the Earth from up there. Yeah, and but. But, yeah, it did seem to be underplayed. And I thought maybe it's just me because obviously I read the space press and obviously I've been bombarded with it. But I don't think it's sort of got – and you know, no one's sort of talked to me at work about it and sort of said, oh, do you see those Inspiration 4? And I think it's down to the fact that – is it down to the fact that Netflix are, you know, showing this documentary at the same time? Possibly. About it. And therefore – it wasn't as sort of well covered as it could have been because they're holding back all the footage for the actual program.
0: Right.
1: That sounds. That seems a bit strange program. though
0: because they can only be good to have it all hype for the actual program. Yeah. I mean. You would have thought so, wouldn't but you? But it's just not like SpaceX as well. It's not like them because, you know, <laughs> everyday Joe on the street knows yeah. what SpaceX are doing. That's an amazing thing because you can't say that about a lot of the activity of the last 20 years. In in, in in say NASA or ESA, SpaceX is a household name. They've done very well at that, and it, yeah, just seem it just seems strange. It just seems strangely underplayed, and, and it must be deliberate for some
1: reason. Because it's so underplayed, we should probably actually describe what this inspiration for mission actually is. Do it, man. So there's a businessman, Jared Jared Isaacman, who basically invented some ways of. Some way of credit cards being used more efficiently, essentially. Nice. With this shift for payment system, and he became a very, very, very rich person, mm. a billionaire, in fact. Ooh. He also flies fighter jets. Okay. Just <laughs> so like that. So he's, you know, he's. He, he, so he's absolutely suitable to be, you know, a a uh, a commercial space person, a, a commercial astronaut yeah uh you know just totally the the right demograph (laughs) yeah (laughs) billionaire who can fly um and so he bought this basically this flight from SpaceX it's 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 apparently under 200 million dollars which sounds actually not too bad actually
0: yeah for everything combined what actually yeah yeah I mean that's a few days in in orbit as well
1: wow but it's considerably more expensive than Branson and Bezos's little trips. Okay. But as uh, Helen Sharman said, you know, she didn't really consider people to be astronauts unless they'd gone into orbit. Hmm. Although that does kind of... <laughs> I don't know. I, it's, it's hard, isn't it? If you've been into space, and then there's two definitions of space, the NASA one and the Kármán line, and and so everyone disagrees with that. But these people definitely went into space. Right. As in not only did they go into space, this is one of the sort of highest orbits anyone's ever been in. Right? <laughs> so you know they've gone they're higher than the Hubble, higher than the space station, everything. So they're going to be the they they're the five they're from the 588th to 591st people to fly into space. Right. Wow. And the and the 25th to 28th individuals who did it on a commercially, in other words, bought their seats. Yeah. Um Yeah, so, and they are Jared Isaacman, a geoscience professor called Sean Proctor, Sean Proctor, Mm -hmm. a uh, a physician, a physician's assistant, I should say, called Haley Arkano, and a data engineer called Chris Sembrowski. He seems to be the luckiest of all of them because he didn't even win the raffle that he that he was playing to get the, the seat, but his mate did and gave it to him instead. No, which seems yeah because he, he just didn't want to do it for personal reasons. Yeah, <laughs> so um, yeah, <laughs> and apparently SpaceX wants to do these kind of missions, you know, three or four times a year, yeah, at least. So so you know we should start seeing a lot more of this kind of thing. And I actually think like one of the coolest elements of this particular mission, you know, sending a Crew Dragon up into space, but instead of having a docking hatch because it's not going to the International Space Station, they replace the docking hatch with uh, SpaceX's own cupola, Yeah. You know, which is that you know this is the window that they stick on the ISS, but it's uh, it's SpaceX's own version of it. Yeah. And apparently, you know, it's a really nice big bubble that you can stand in and have a look around and. That is really very cool. That's isn't it? Three, super. Almost like, three days. Yeah, going round, going round the Earth fifteen times a day. Yeah, and looking out the window and taking pictures and amazing. And it's going, like it's, yeah. it's
0: sci-fi, sci-fi stuff, isn't it?
1: What I want to know, and I think I'm right in saying this, but I couldn't quite confirm it. I think this is the most amount of people over the last few days that have ever been in orbit at any one time. Ooh. So I make it 14. So I need correcting if I'm wrong, but so it's the crew of Inspiration 4, yeah. called Inspiration 4 because there's four of yeah. them. And and actually the fourth flight of a crew dragon as well, but it's let's face it, it's because there's four of them. Inspiration 4, yeah. right? There's them. There's the three Chinese taikonauts which, who we have spoken about on the show who are on the uh, Heavenly Palace, yeah. the Chang'e <laughs> And there's the seven astronauts that are on the ISS at the moment. Right. Uh, all in low-Earth orbit, of course, nobody going lower than that. But that I make that 14. Yeah, yeah. Three plus seven plus four, 14. That's right. Now, I think the most before that was 13 which was in March nineteen ninety five, which were two Russians on a um and an American on a Soyuz, uh, three cosmonauts above them on the Mir space station, and seven astronauts on Space Shuttle Endeavour. So that's quite a lot. Yeah. That's thirteen. Amazing. That's thirteen. That's the previous record. And that was again done again a little bit later, but that's the first time, that's the most before. Thirteen. So I think that's the most amount of people in orbit at any one time ever. See, is there anyone? You
0: know. Anyone knows that they can challenge this and be like, "Um, actually, there was a brief moment in two thousand and three <laughs> when, for five minutes, there was fifteen people." <laughs> I hope there's someone out no. there who can say that. That'd be amazing.
1: What's really cool about this um, mission, of course, is it's all on secondhand equipment as well, yeah. which I guess is what makes it, you know, reasonably cheap, under two hundred million dollars. Yeah, <laughs> still pretty expensive, but still, but it's reasonably cheap. You know, you're doing it on secondhand gear, so it's like um, the capsule had flown on crew mission one. Yeah, uh, and so that capsule has gone has returned twice from space.
0: That is so cool. Which is pretty cool. It's is super it? cool. I love it. I'm, I never, it, it and never doesn't, it never ceases to amaze me. Like, I love it.
1: Yeah. And the booster, of course, was used before as well. Yeah. I think it was its, I think it was actually its third flight. That's literally amazing, isn't it? Although saying that, obviously the space shuttle did a similar sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, when it, it was used multiple <laughs> times, so maybe it's not. Maybe it's not that amazing. But but um, the boosters you
0: know, weren't. That's the it, thing, you know. The, the the space shuttles were coming back, but all the boosters were getting trashed. You know, that's that's the important thing. Yeah, yeah.
1: Although well, they didn't. They'd, like the uh, the solid boosters landed in the sea, and and they and they tried to reuse, dragged them back in, didn't they? drag them back in <laughs> on boats and, sh- and shizzle. But yeah, so this is the first. <laughs> This is the first flight, really, of of completely non-professional crew. This is the thing that was winding um, Julio up, that they would be called civilians. Right. But, of course, lots of civilians have flown into space and there's been complete missions with civilians on before. Um, If you use the word civilian to mean not in the military. yeah. But as I was explaining to Julio, civilian could mean not someone from the normal organisations. Yeah. But it's a bit colloquial bit colloquial that but anyway so so i think they've started using this non professional crew or amateur crew okay so it's the you know it's the first private spacex flight it's the first entirely non professional crew it's the first black female spacecraft pilot cool though i don't know how much piloting she actually had to do yeah. <laughs> uh the the youngest american astronaut to date wow which is pretty good, and the first person to fly into space with a prosthetic limb. Whoa! Okay, that's a lot of firsts. Definitely. So that's not that's not bad,
0: is not it? Not bad at all. But you know, we we are talking like talking about the pilot. We are obviously talking mostly automation here.
1: <laughs> I guess that's kind of the innate one of the enabling technologies, isn't mm. it? That you don't actually necessarily need someone to actually fly it. It's still kind of you know. A lot, Most of it's been done by mission control. But you could say that's about the space shuttle as well. They didn't really fly the space shuttle. So, yeah, go back to the uh, Robert Seek interview that was um, about astronauts actually having to fly the shuttle. It's done on the 55th anniversary of Gemini 11, which just so happens to be the highest Earth orbit ever reached on a crewed flight. Hmm. So so this this is the fifth highest Earth orbital f- human flight after a couple of Gemini flights
0: and that's um, that is amazing that is you know that's happened
1: when it's being crewed by by non-professionals like now we should we should mention obviously that the, the whole idea of the flight is to try and raise 200 million dollars for St Jude's childhood cancer research and some of the crew have actually been. Essentially treated and cured at St Jude, Jude's Childhood Cancer Hospital. Wow. Uh, Haley Arkano is, you know, a, a, a recipient of that particular hospital and works for the hospital now as well. I guess it's a good cause. So I guess, I guess, one of the reasons why it's not been as, so let's say, famous as those other two flights, or at least in my perception, your perception. I don't know about everywhere, everywhere else, hmm. but. Maybe it's because they don't it doesn't seem as controversial somehow. It doesn't seem like it's a, it's billionaires paying for space flights.
0: Hmm. Maybe they don't want to they don't the story's too boring for them.
1: What's amazing is I don't think the general public really know the difference between suborbital and orbital flights. No. So it's just like going you know, it's sold on the press by, you know, these are people going into space. Yeah. And that's it really so it's like oh, yeah they went into space that's it that that and then their interest is lost at that point so you know the the difference between this inspiration for flight is quite remarkable isn't it it's it's, it's very different
0: do you think it could be do you think we might have got like the uh, sort of exposed more if it, it was say for what are the what are the london old, let's say it was alder hay <laughs> you know what i mean it's like do you think that our press would have cared more if it was a a local well, cause,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I suppose our press gave a little bit more because it was Richard Branson, yeah, Sir Dickie Pickles. I guess that there was a, an element in there because of that, yeah. and I guess the, the pilot was Scottish as well, so you know, there's some local interest, but I don't think it's that. I mean, I think the press that I read is fairly international anyway, yeah, sure, it just hasn't sort of seeped, it just hasn't seemed to doesn't seem to have landed as much as I would have thought it would have done.
0: Hmm. Yeah, and it's funny that's this is the one that's probably for like the best cause ever. It <laughs> probably could have done with yeah. a bit more. <laughs> but um, I have no doubt they've raised the money.
1: Now, normally when you go into space, Chris, you're normally, for the first time, you're normally with someone that's that's been into space before. Yeah,
0: like some like if you're doing a parachute jump, you do a tandem, don't you? You've got someone behind yeah. you who's done it before.
1: But no one on this spacecraft had done it before and that's the first time that's happened since the Chinese started going into space on the Shenzhou 7 in 2008. So, so that's a, another first. So it's must be quite weird, mustn't it, going into space in a capsule... And nobody else has <laughs> nobody else has done it no, before. No, it's very strange to think about it like that. Actually, yeah. Just looking to
0: the person to the left for a bit of reassurance, <laughs> going, and they're yeah, looking does, at you. Does, like,
1: yeah. <laughs> does anyone know what they're doing? Yeah. No, not really. I mean, yeah, we've been in loads of training. I mean, we got to point out that these people did a lot of training yeah. at SpaceX's facility, and I would imagine that that's quite, you know, quite a lot of the cost must be around that. Yeah, right? sure. It it must be expensive to train people up.
0: Um Yeah, and hugely expensive the training systems and everything. Yeah. So even if you're driving down the cost of the mission itself, like you've got about all the sort of administration around it. It's enormous.
1: Mm. But how much is SpaceX kicking ass? Because not there was also two crew dragons in orbit. You know, this is a an entirely new vehicle and suddenly there's two of them yeah. on orbit at one point. How cool is that?
0: It's it's absolutely good. Cool.
1: but I do like the whole idea of that that they really I think that's a really neat solution that that cupola that that goes inside that nose cone because the, the nose cone sort of pops up to 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 reveal that docking mechanism but now it pops up to reveal this this um, beautiful glass dome that they can look at yeah you know gets fitted in and gets fitted out like I said this is the second time they've used the capsule uh, resilience but they can sort of just say well let's take out the docking mechanism and stick this glass dome in jobs are good enough yeah. now of course this is the first flight that they've flown with a glass dome so which I think's a bit weird I would have thought that they'd done a test flight with it first <laughs> yeah. because you've got things like the thrusters that sort of um, blast uh you know the the maneuvering thrusters actually they had to sort of put protective heat panels on the glass to stop them to you know when the thrusters are being used mm. It's a little bit scary. (laughs) It's it's quite cocky, I have to say.
0: (laughs) But uh, for that view, ah, brilliant.
1: Yes. So so they, so they actually, they, what they wanted to go 357 miles high. Now the the altitude was actually chosen by Jared. So you know his ticket actually allowed him to sort of choose his flight profile. So they went. They ended up going 364 miles above the surface. Yes. That's higher than that's the Hubble Space Telescope, Mm. Gemini 10 and Gemini 11 went 470 miles high.
0: Yeah, 547 kilometres Hubble, Mm. 340 Mm. miles.
1: Uh, Yeah, but I think STS-31 flew 382 miles, so that's the third highest, and that was to launch the the Hubble Space Telescope. Mm. So it's obviously been dropped down in – uh, in orbit, so that actually means, of course, because they're so high up, much higher up than the International Space Station, yeah. that they're actually being exposed to a, a different doses of radiation. I was going to ask about this. So I was just basically... going to ask about
0: how mm. if the the effects of gravity are any different from if you're
1: 100 miles more up or so. Probably nah, not. Because that, that that very minimal. Yeah. Because, that's all about free fall. That, that whole idea of being, yeah, it's not about how high you are, that microgravity, yeah. it's just the fact that you're falling. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the gravity is minimal. So the difference in gravity is, is, is highly minimal. But the, the radiation, I think, will be something that they're looking at. So that's one of the things that they're supposed to be doing is doing science experiments with their bodily fluids, et cetera, et cetera, and seeing how they're, you know the bacteria in their gut and st- stuff like that changes on a space flight. So they are doing a little bit of research, yeah. I suppose, as much research as for untrained scientists could do, which is good, which is good, I suppose. So they're, they're doing something. But there's a there's a few things that they do. They did while they were up there. So, did you know that they rang the stock market's closing bell <laughs> while they were in orbit? <laughs> okay. They had a they had a phone call with which famous actor? Do you
0: um, think? Shia LaBeouf.
1: <laughs> no, it's Tom Cruise because Tom Cruise is going to do a similar sort of thing, but he's going to go up in a in a crew dragon, but visit the ISS to shoot a of film. Course it? Of
0: course he is. Of course Tom so, Cruise is going to yeah. do
1: that. <laughs> Amazing. So to, yeah, so Tom Cruise is in uh, you know is in with SpaceX. So he had a little chat with them, as did some kids from the St Jude's Children's Hospital, Aww. which I think is pretty cool. That's pretty That's cool. That's really cool. So, yes, they, they splash down in the Atlantic Ocean. Yep. Because normally uh SpaceX astronauts splash down in the Gulf of Mexico. Right. It's the first time that uh that a that a dragon capsule has returned to the Atlantic Ocean. And I should imagine that actually has some logistical problems like you need the, the you know all the craft and everything to go out and and fetch the thing but the gulf of mexico uh, is i mean it's just roughly connected to the to
0: the atlantic is it not um yeah, yeah it's yeah but i know yeah, we've not we've not done this before we would had to work out how we do it in this part of the ocean and maybe it's a bit more of a you know weather systems are going to be a bit different how far off is it is it mm. like are we talking just off, you know, off
1: the coast of Florida or whatever, or higher up. Uh, do you know what? I don't know the exact position where they splash down, and I should imagine there's. I, I imagine it's pretty accurate where they splash down these days. Yeah. Um, but I guess that's a pretty dangerous aspect to the flight. Now, I wanted to quickly talk about danger. Yeah, okay. Because these these flights still are really dangerous. As in, I think what would you what would you compare it to like like climbing mount everest is dangerous but tourists do it right yeah
0: that's, a, that's a nice comparison actually
1: yeah yeah i think i think it's probably similar to that so you know at the moment it all looks fun and games but inevitably at some point particularly if we having if we start having lots and lots of these flights you know a little bit of complacency will will creep in And I wonder when. I I mean, I know this is really morbid, but I wonder when we'll have our kind of challenger version of commercial Mm,
0: spaceflight. Yeah, because it's like it's gonna. You know, plane crashes are not as common, but they still very much happen every year.
1: um, Yeah, and when they happen, you know, they're 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 normally sort of pretty high in the news. Something like this would definitely be behind the news. I mean, I guess it's a little bit like fairground rides as well. You know, fairground rides go right uh, wrong, don't they? And people die. Yeah. But obviously, many more people go on fairground rides. They're incredibly safe. I don't. But I
0: don't. I mean, be- you know, I mean, much love to those people who were injured at Alton Towers a few years ago. But I was a little bit smug about all that. I was just like, <sighs> I told you, so. <laughs> I hate. I hate I, roller coasters. I, 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 <laughs>
1: I absolutely I can't tell you how much I love roller coasters Uh-oh. and if they fit and if they feel dangerous I love them even more I actually don't know what's wrong with me but I I absolutely love the ones that are run by you know People that look slightly dodgy, <laughs> and you think, "God, how how are these people in charge of something that can clearly kill about thirty people if they haven't looked after it properly?"
0: <laughs> that's what I'm talking yeah, about.
1: You know. Honestly, so that that's my. <laughs> but I, I'm I the get, complete opposite a for kick the same out of that. reasons. <laughs> 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 Man, it's uh, yeah there's something quite cool about it. Uh, I I like it. Get me on so the I, get me I, I on the teacups
0: no, think- honestly put me on the teacups. I'll be happy. Maybe a log flume if I'm <sighs> feeling a bit dangerous. But yeah, sorry, back to danger. My middle name's Danger. But uh, let's go.
1: Back to yeah. danger. Big <laughs> back to danger. I think I think you know, it's dangerous. Space flight's really dangerous when you when you think about the power of a rocket and it's just like it is a massive bomb that's barely being controlled mm. and, and literally lifting you into space. Yeah. And then you've got to come back from space going 17,500 miles an hour and hope that you don't burn up in the atmosphere or skip off the atmosphere never to be seen again. You know, So it is dangerous. Yeah,
0: and also with this one, you dangerous. haven't got a cocky guy who's been there up four times going, don't worry, we got this. The four of you were we going... Got this, yeah. <laughs> We haven't got
1: this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you haven't got a Neil Armstrong or a or a John Young sort of going. Okay, let's stay calm here. I'm gonna. I'll I'll make sure that I bring us all down. Yeah, it's like yeah, you don't have that. You've got. Well, actually, I mean, this Jared Geezer flies extreme fighter jets. (laughs) For, for you know, for a daft laugh and yeah, for, for a so laugh. So he's probably all right. <laughs> anyway, anyway, so I mean, I thought it's a very interesting mission, but I actually thought that I actually found the coverage of it. Weird. Yeah, it felt like a, it felt I, like an open, open goal, like, I, and, and it's just yeah, it's quite strange. Yeah, it is quite strange. Um, but I'm, I'm looking um, forward yeah, to If it the, comes the, out the,
0: on Netflix, though, that that sounds like that's going to be a great thing to watch.
1: I know. It is on Netflix. It's, I, I've actually started oh, watching in, it. All, I actually started watching it this week. Yeah, I mean, you, that, that, you know, they're showing all the, the training and stuff. It's it's like all those documentaries. It They have, like, talking heads that kind of oversell it. So it, it feels a little bit irritating.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, okay, so they tell you what it, they, it they have that, to do and then you see what they have well, to do. just, yeah. And then...
1: It looks a bit like an advert. Yeah. You know, an advermentary. Yeah. It's still good. It's still good. It's, it's still very interesting. Sure. It would be good if it was being done by, you know, Louis Theroux or something. Yeah. That would <laughs> that'd be, that'd fun. be great.
0: Yeah, Adam, Adam that Curtis would be great. Adam Curtis would be good.
1: Yeah, Adam <laughs> Curtis, yeah. No, I think that would be a little bit weird, <laughs> Adam Curtis to me. But, but before we yeah. go, it's a very quick episode because I'm still in getting hammered by work, mode. Yeah, sure, sure. There was a couple of very interesting papers that came out uh, recently yeah. about a new type of dark energy. This is
0: what I love about this podcast. You say, before you go we've just got Before some news go. that
1: we might be able to solve
0: the universe's expansion mystery <laughs>
1: <laughs> so we 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 have talked about this several times on the podcast yeah. that there's this weird very big problem in cosmology at the moment yeah. which is we know that the universe is expanding and it, and every and the expansion is getting faster but but what what is a strange one is that you can measure it in two different ways you can measure it using supernovas and or, or standard candles and there's actually different standard candles coming online you know even maybe even gravitational wave events and things like that maybe can be used for uh, standard candles. In other words, you know how bright something is so you know how far away it is yeah. and, how far, and how fast, therefore, the universe is expanding away from that point. And so you can measure the expansion of the universe and you get this what's known as Hubble's constant, which is the expansion of the universe, rate, right, the rate that it's expanding. Yeah. Now, there's another way of measuring it and that's using these acoustic bubbles that formed in the early universe in the cosmic microwave background in other words this kind of radiation glow that's left from the formation of the universe a very early universe yeah. and as the as the universe got to a certain point these these acoustic sounds got trapped like almost like an image of them of where they are at that point where the where the universe changed it it, it because of the way you know the temperature got to a certain point where the universe changed, and these acoustic vibrations no longer could propagate, and you can see that pattern um, in the in the in the cosmic microwave background, and actually in the way that um, galaxies are formed around each other as well you kind of got these set various densities where you expect to see these acoustic bubbles yeah. now using those acoustic bubbles you can kind of work out what the expansion rate was at the beginning of the universe as well okay? But the big problem is these two expansion rates are different. <laughs> of course, they are, which is pretty annoying, right? Of course, they're different, and no, and and really, the race is to try and find out why that is, right? right okay. There was a guy called um, Mark Kamionkowski. Not he, he was called that, and I'm sure he still is called that. <laughs> <laughs> so a couple of years ago, Mark Kamionkowski was at the John Hopkins University in Baltimore in in, uh, Maryland. Maryland. And uh, he, Maryland, uh, is it Maryland? I call it Maryland. 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 Maryland Maryland, uh, suggested that there was an extra ingredient, that there was this thing called early dark energy. Right. In other words, a dark energy that existed at the beginning of the universe, which was a, a sort of fluid that's in the universe that would have just withered away after the first few thousand years it just disappears right. but what it what it it doesn't actually add to the acceleration this 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 weird energy stuff this fluid, but it would have caused the plasma to cool down faster and therefore this the the bubbles that are trying you know that that are sort of growing big these these acoustic sounds. Would have been that would have been frozen a little bit quicker than the measurement that they're using at the moment. In other words, the universe would have been cooling down slightly quicker, and therefore that would skew the uh, expansion rate now. Ooh. And so you, you'd have a, a more accurate expansion rate. Uh, and, and basically, this is just you know this is one of those things where you concoct a theory not because you think it's you know it's it, it's kind of going the wrong way around you're just trying to think of ways of making the data fit rather than working from first principles so this is something that basically makes the data fit mm. now the, the these two it, these two papers that have just come out are using um, the Atacama cosmo cosmology telescope in chile and um, and it's the data that's been collected between 2013 and 2016 so it's like a big dive into that data by two different teams and they've come to the same conclusion that that the data has a sort of hint that maybe this early dark energy actually does exist right and that would actually help with this measurement problem basically, but the, the, the difference between the two measurements of the expansion of
0: the universe. Okay, because that doesn't exist in the other measurement. It exists in the cosmic background yeah. measurement. And yeah. I'm there, I'm following yeah. this. This is great. <laughs> but, yeah. it, but what's so, the implications so, of it?
1: Well, the implication is that they might, you know, they might have actually found a, a, an explanation about why these expansion rates are different. Right. Okay. Uh, and And obviously, you know, Not much more than that, to be honest, because obviously then they have to start working out what these things are. I mean, the fact that they've got the word dark in them means that no one actually knows what the hell they are. You know, the the cosmological standard model includes dark energy and dark matter and matter. So two-thirds of the things that are in this model... Are dark, i.e., we don't even know what they are. <laughs> right. So that's not very good, is it? It's, it's, it's all, I would say it's almost embarrassing. Well, I've said it before. You know, it's like saying, I, uh, I know the recipe for this cake, yeah. but two thirds of the ingredients, I have no idea what they I've are. I've said it before, though, Matthew, <laughs> I'll say it again it's God. <laughs> Perhaps. Perhaps it's God. Perhaps? I don't think it okay. is. <laughs> it's not likely to be God. I'm not ruling it out, no. but I, I just don't see where your I don't see where your evidence comes from, where your hypothesis. Yeah, I don't need from I don't anyway.
0: need evidence, Matthew.
1: <laughs> just faith. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, uh, so yes, it, it, but as people have pointed out, though, there there are quite a few inconsistencies within this study, and nowhere near enough data to sort of say this is a slam dunk. Okay. But the, the teams, you know, the teams are fully aware of this. These, these are sort of sceptical teams of hard-nosed conservative people. That's what, how they've been described. And uh, so, you know, they're, they're not you – know, um, they've been very, very careful with the data and, and looking through it. So they're not sort of saying, yes, we've, we found it. But I think they were both – both teams were surprised that they got this result that sort of hints at this um, early dark energy stuff. And because they both got it, yeah, in different ways, it you know it's a preliminary result that looks reasonably exciting. Definitely, but let's not all get our hopes up just yet. No slam
0: dunks just but yet. Anyway, no slam dunks I, I, yet. But no slam.
1: It's, it's, no, no slam. Definitely no slam dunks. Way more work needs to be done. But it's an interesting result. Nevertheless, it's it's you know things like this are human beings homing in on. What the heck is going on in the universe? Yeah, yeah. and that has to be celebrated. Definitely, because right? every time you Amazing. do
0: that sort of thing, where you wake up in the middle of the night and you go, "Oh my god, I'm on a rock in the middle of vast amounts of space, <laughs> surrounded by other rocks," <laughs> and then you, you know, these are the guys who are try to help you understand that, and and much respect mm. to them, and and much power
1: to them. Yeah. So both these papers are on the archive as of this month, cool. Jay. J.C. Hill et al. and V. Poulin et al. So, uh, going, I will put links to those papers if uh, anyone wants to do a deep dive into something that's incredibly complicated and <laughs> and, and, and hard to read. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I I, I didn't, I, I must admit, I started reading those papers and they're and they're, they're heavy going mm. because it's you know you're talking about you know polarization of light and all these kind of things. And it's its it gets pretty pretty wacky, pretty quick, bit of
0: bedtime reading for me there, but, it's, but it's,
1: yeah but 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 if you're a obviously if you're a cosmologist this is this is your bread and butter, yeah. uh what are you up to, Chris this week oh back to work, back to work, but you know
0: yeah i'm been I'm enjoying it, so yeah, and I've got my wonderful wife coming back home from Norway next week, so I'm looking forward to that as well.
1: How about you? I I shall be spending a lot of it driving up and down the um, A303 past Stonehenge from Devon to Guildford. So uh, and working with uh, young musicians and technicians putting on shows. Fantastic. So I mean, it's been quite. It, I have to say, it has been really fun getting back in the lecture theatre and actually talking to students. It's actually been really. Oh, good, good
0: stuff, man. Really That's great it. to hear. Really cool. I guess that's it.
1: Yes. Yeah. Do you want to know where you can, uh,
0: where people can find out things, maybe? Oh, 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 yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Where can they? they I where love can saying they do this?
0: Because it's interplanetary.org.uk.
1: That's absolutely excellent. And a massive shout out to my Patreons Wonderful. over on patreon.com forward slash interplanetary. I shall read out the names next week because it's that time of the that time of the <laughs> week. a uh, time of the month. You can you can join them and be part of this absolutely awesome family. It's been popping off in the Discord, but I've been very busy and unable to really to uh, communicate very well. I was pulled up on a little point that I that I got wrong by what the way. Was that? A couple of weeks ago. a couple of weeks ago I said that um Jupiter was something like ninety eight percent of the mass of the solar system once you'd removed the sun. It's not, of course. It's only seventy eight. Oh, but well, still. Still uh, a lot, more Come on. Still, it's pretty it's yeah, it's still pretty big. And I think if you combine Jupiter and Saturn, you're up in the 90s at that yeah. point. So, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's a lot. But I was wrong, of course. The sun is 99.999 percent or whatever it yeah. is percentages. And so, I apologise for that. I was misremembering. That's okay, but you know, that's why we which, have which misremember. Teach me- doesn't that accuse me not the to write notes say for that? that. <laughs> 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 yeah. Luckily, my job's not on the line as a result. Oh, or if you want to vote me off the interplanetary podcast and just have Lynn and Chris, that's fine. Or bring back Jamie. <laughs>
0: no, we, we,
1: we, we, you
0: are our leader. You know, like the, the, those four people on the space flight. You're the guy who's, who we look to. And uh, he goes, yeah, I got this.
1: Still, yeah. <laughs> so we do need you. do worry, guys. I've got this. I'm going to land this podcast to its ending. You can hear the theme music as it's wi- winding up. This is, this is us blasting, skipping off the atmosphere into space.
0: Boom. Bye bye cats bye bye cats bye ah we get to time